Welcome to the Early Stages Podcast, where we talk to makers early on in their journey of creating something new. Each episode, we dive into how they identified the opportunity they're trying to seize, how they came up with the idea they're building, and stories about their journey so far. For the last episode of this season is the conversation I had with Luke from Startup Stage. This was actually the first interview I did out of all of them, but I wanted it to be last because I feel like it's fitting for this platform that highlights people building new things to round out the season of people building new things. We talk more about who Startup Stage is for. Mostly early stage founders. The problem he's trying to help these founders solve. Their mission is to get the word out in any way possible. What Startup Stage actually is. Startup Stage is the place to showcase your startup and compete for features across our channels and some of the bumps he's run into on his journey so far. Somebody took the time to fill out that survey and in every single line they wrote, this site looks like shit, and then submit. (laughs) So just every every single line, every single field over and over again. This week we have Luke. Thanks for joining me, Luke. Hey, Jackson. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited for this. I'm super excited to able to talk to you and learn more about what you're building because I think from the outside without talking to you too much already it seems like what the goal of this podcast and what you are doing um, with Startup Stage have very similar goals and similar uh, missions so super excited to dive into it and so to give everybody to set the stage a little bit can you describe what you're doing with Startup Stage in one sentence Yes, so Startup Stage is the place to showcase your startup and compete for features across our channels. That is beautiful. That is great and concise. You definitely know, you knew that one sentence going in, which is awesome. Had to plan it for the copy on the website, so I live with it quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah. And so before we dive more into the actual solution and what you're building, um, what about you? Like, what do you call yourself? Do you call yourself a founder, a builder? I know you have a law background. So what do you, what do you consider yourself? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky. Um, and I actually made the joke on Twitter the other day. I said, I solemnly swear to not refer to myself as CEO until we reach 20K MRR. But um, Startup Stage is something I'm building on the side right now. So I'm still a full-time startup attorney. I have my own practice and that's my day job, so to speak. And I'm bootstrapping and building Startup Stage on the side. So um, I do consider myself the founder of Startup Stage. I, that's how I refer to myself. Um, I think uh, maker and builder for me is a little disingenuous because I am incredibly non-technical. Um, I have uh, found a great dev shop to help me build this thing out. But since I, I lack that technical skill, I think founder is the most appropriate word for me. And one of the things I was super excited for having you be the first guest on, on the show is my assumption is I'm going to be having like a lot of engineers or designers and different types of people with, or a lot of similar people with similar backgrounds, like professional backgrounds and your background is in law. Right. And so you, I don't think you usually see people from law going into founder as often as other professions. Right. So what took you from law to trying to, to build something? 
So it all started by wanting to make inroads with the startup community and get more plugged into the ecosystem. Um, it's helpful for my law practice, obviously, because that's where my clients live, but I also eventually want to be on the investor side of the table. So about a year and a half ago, um, actually January of 2022, I was thinking about how to get more plugged into the community, realized that for better or for worse, most investors are on Twitter. So I started a little Twitter account giving shout outs to founders. It was a fun way to meet new people, learn about the companies they were building, and it really gained some traction. People liked the shout outs and it's something that you can do uh, at zero followers and 5,000 followers and so on, because, uh, you know, what's the harm? No, no account is going to be like, how dare you give me, give me a shout out, how dare this little company. But um, anyways, so um, we, we gained some steam, which was really fun. And after three or four months of that, I brought my brother-in-law on board to help me expand beyond Twitter to all the other platforms that we're on now. Uh, decided to make a little company out of it. And it was still a side project that is still um, a part-time thing for me. But from that point, and for about 12 months after that, the system would basically be companies would reach out to me, give me their information, send me their pitch deck. And once a week, I would sit down review all the materials, pick my three favorite company, companies and feature them across our platform. And that worked great. We were still growing the newsletter and our socials and whatnot. But early this year, I was wondering how we could get a little bit more of the community involved, introduce a little virality to what we're doing. And that led to the idea of the voting platform. And like I said earlier, I'm incredibly non-technical, but I whipped together this really rudimentary MVP. It was actually Zapier um, in the background, updating live item on our Webflow website. So um, it was kind of a mess, um, but people got excited about it. Um, and we had so many votes the first week that I had to upgrade my Zapier account like three times to handle the task load. And it was really, really exciting um, to see that sort of um, enthusiasm for it. But at the same time, it, it looked terrible. Uh, we couldn't screen for things like fake email addresses and duplicate votes and everything like that. Um, so after a few weeks, I considered it sufficiently validated and found a dev shop to build the platform that is up now. Um, we're still making some improvements that are going to roll out here in the next couple weeks. But basically, that is the origin story. Um, it started off as a mechanism to meet more people and engage with the community and has turned into a little company in and of itself. And that's really cool because the initial thing you were trying to do is get to know more people and to get plugged in. And you, you kind of just found a problem or an opportunity for that audience, right? And so your audience is startup founders, right? People trying to build a business. Um, what have you learned about your audience spending so much time with them now? Like, can you describe your audience? Yeah, so our audience is mostly early stage founders. Um, and I guess that extends a little bit to investors and the startup curious as well. We have a, a good amount of those in our newsletters. But when it comes to actual users of our platforms and people that are creating company profiles, that's certainly um, startups. And while we are we're agnostic in terms of stage, you can list your ideas on there and you can list your series C startups on there and, and anything in between and beyond. Uh, but mostly um, we've we've really prioritized the very early stage pre-seed indie hacker types as a starting point. Um, we want to go beyond that and be a platform for all things startups, but that's definitely our initial target market. And one thing that has been gratifying and that I've uncovered is the need for 
PR and marketing and getting the word out there is so ubiquitous to every company because no matter how great your product is, if no one knows about it, it's not going to go anywhere. So um, that has been just gratifying to know that people want to you want a platform like this. It's beneficial to the ecosystem. And um, above and beyond, I've just been so impressed and um, pleased by how kind everyone is about it. Um, they're the founders that we feature are so appreciative and um, I've continued and I've made contact and made friendships that have continued on for years at this point, um, which has been really rewarding. That's really cool that you're getting more out of it than just the initial thing you were trying to get out of it and what you were trying to accomplish. It's growing into more than that as well, which is really cool. Um, and so your audience is usually early stage indie hacker type founders. Um, what motivates them? Like what motivates them in general, right? And then what motivates them? And you kind of touched on this part a bit. What motivates them to use startup stage? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think their mission is to get the word out in any way possible. And that's um, socials and cold email, and it can take so many different forms. And that's why, like, obviously, we are not the only people providing a place for people to list their startups, showcase their startups. There are some wonderful companies in there. So I think that universal need drives them to the platform. And I hope the things that make us unique, which we can, I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later, is what keeps them there and keeps them coming back. We want, um, we're actually so early that we haven't encountered this yet, but companies can apply, reapply every 90 days. So we want to have a really thriving community that continues to launch there, continues to showcase their startup and whatnot. But since we're less than 90 days in, we actually haven't any had haven't had any repeats there. So um, to answer your question, I think just the universal need of getting the word out there is what drives them to the startup stage platform. And what motivates them, like what motivates them to be indie hackers from your interactions with them, right? What motivates them to be founders in the first place? So this is actually something that I think I can relate to them on that, even though I'm non-technical, which is just the need to build something like having something that is your idea, your baby, something you, uh, for better or for worse, uh, like birthed into the world and created the ex nihilo. And um, that's something that's so special, seeing the fruition of just an idea into something like tangible in the marketplace. I think that's just addictive. And I think some people are just wired that way. And I think that's something that all founders share in common. Yeah, I know, obviously, super cliche, but listening to Andrew Huberman lately, right? He had, I don't remember his name exactly, but a psychologists were talking about different human drives and how he was defining one of the drives was a generative drive mm -hmm. right and i've never thought about it in that way or like been able to identify it because i feel like i have some of those similar characteristics right and it's like there's just an innate human drive to create things right like we don't want to just consume we want to create things we want to see like our ideas come to fruition whether that be a garden or whether that be a billion dollar company, right? Like we, that is part of being human. And I think that was fun and validating to see that concept from somebody a lot smarter than I am and being able to put it into words, which I haven't been able to do before. Absolutely. So that's awesome. And so, so we've already kind of talked about the problem or the opportunity that your audience has, right? And so 
what are the lives like of your audience today, right? What is like their day to day or is it super, because I'm assuming with indie hackers and early stage founders, there's going to be probably like the widest range in the early mm -hmm. stages, right? Where it's, it, this could be a side thing, this could be all in, but kind of what are some themes that you've been able to see about what the lives look like of the people using your platform? Yeah, it is a bit diverse solely because we are completely agnostic in terms of stage and geographic location and whatnot. So um, we've had companies from all over the world, projects from all over the world, um, all sorts of stages. So with that regard, it, it changes a little bit. And I've been a little bit surprised that the majority of the startups um, are full. The, most of the founders are full time on their startups. Um, we certainly have had indie hackers that it's a side thing, something they're working on the side, but one kind of, uh, quirk of that for those who are doing something on the side is basically if we feature a company, they're featured on all of our socials and our newsletters and invited on our podcast. And we write an article about them and all that good stuff, but we have to tread a little carefully for those who are treating it as a side job because they may not want their employer to, <laughs> to uh, see the details about the startup. So we're very careful when we pass around. Basically, if you if you are selected for features, we send you a tally form and you provide all your information. And um, within that form, it's like, are there any socials you do not want to be shared on? And occasionally we get people that are like, yes, please don't share this on my LinkedIn. Like my boss is on LinkedIn kind of thing. So that has been kind of interesting. But apart from that, um, kind of, funny anecdote, um, all, all walks of life, all different sectors, all different geographic locations, but, uh, it is cliche, but going back to it, I think the one thing that unites them is that need to build. And with that, you, you kind of said this earlier as well, but because they have this problem as great as your product is like, if nobody knows about it, nobody's going to use it. Right. And inherently that's what a product is, right? it's only as useful as much as it is used, right? Because it's intrinsic value is the utility, not the aesthetics like art, right? So you need people to use it, right? And so this has been a problem for a long time. And so have other people tried to solve this problem before? Or what are other ways that like your audience has tried to solve this problem in the past? Definitely. So there are certainly platforms that everyone is familiar with, like Product Hunt and Betalist and companies that have been around for a long time. And I'm certainly not trying to take them on, take them down, whatever. Um, so actually, this is this is kind of a funny tangent from the from the voting platform. So I certainly do not mean to knock Product Hunt. It's a vital part of our ecosystem. It's wonderful. I've launched um, a Notion template on Product Hunt, actually. But um, one thing that I began to realize was there is an opportunity to go a little bit broader um, than what Product Hunt offers because Product Hunt is a little bit flash in the pan when you win. Um, it's awesome and you see a ton of traffic and usually leads to conversions and clients and customers and whatnot. And that's fantastic. And they're um, many, many years ahead of us and um, in terms of audience. But one thing that I really wanted to prioritize was kind of blend long and short term and evergreen content for our winners. So one thing that uh, 
was very special from the very beginning was how appreciative founders were of us writing articles about them because PR coverage is incredibly hard to come across when you're an early stage company. You have a hard time getting people to care about or much less write an article about what you're doing. So we tried to be as expansive and diverse as possible in terms of how we promote the startups that are featured. Um, so they're shared on our socials, which is relatively flash in the pan. They're shared in our uh, newsletter, which um, is growing every day, but relatively flash, flash in the pan. But pair that with an article, which hopefully sends leads to their website for months and years and a long term after that. We try to prioritize long term SEO keywords so that they they rank for a special intent of when people are looking for their product or startup or service. Um, and also the podcast, which we're kind of building this content library that's hopefully indexable and real quick on that our whole shtick on the podcast is we answer questions that are posed by founders on reddit uh so we we are excited to have like a full directory of all the startup questions because um usually a problem you face has been faced by a startup before so when we have 50 100 a thousand episodes of our podcast it'll be pretty indexable in terms of I want to hear more about people who struggled with customer acquisition. I want to hear more questions um, from founders about dealing with a difficult investor, whatever it is. Um, my point is that hopefully our content lasts a little bit longer and uh, provides meaningful attraction and conversions and attention for long after they're actually featured. So um, Definitely not the first people to do this. I wanted to add a little flavor and spin on something that's out there and working in the market. Um, Product Hunt and similar platforms are, are really wonderful and have had so much success, but um, I thought there was room for doing things a little bit differently. And that's kind of goes back to my initial point. Founders do everything they can to get the word out about word out about it. So you'll see founders post their startup on 50 different directories. Like they're it's probably uh, tongue in cheek to say this, but there can really never be too many platforms like this because founders will use them. They're so desperate to get the word out about it in any way they can that um, that's the initial draw. And hopefully we keep them with the things that make our platform unique. Yeah, I love your approach to this and just this mindset, right? Because a lot of the content we make today, like newsletters or podcasts, it's not evergreen. You just do it once and then you nobody ever sees it again so i like that you're trying to create this more long-living content for these founders and on that note what is the process like for founders to join startup stage yeah and on that note i'd be remiss if i didn't think my brother-in-law henry allen he's the reason that i can do this part-time because he handles a lot of the day-to-day -day operational stuff so yes um from the very beginning if you are a founder applying to be featured on startup stage you create a company profile um it takes five minutes you tell us your stage sector geographic location um, tell us about your team tell us about your startup you can include a video so whether that's a demo or a um just a conversation with the founder. We've had people who literally recorded a loom specifically for our platform just to talk about their company, but that's the lay of the land in terms of the profile. And at that point, um, they hit submit, it goes into a very brief approval process. And we're really not concerning ourselves too much with quality of the idea or splitting hairs about is this a good or bad startup what we care about is making sure it's like a legit startup so we um, check out the website does it look scammy is there broken links stuff like that that's really the only scenarios in which profiles get 
are, are not approved. Um, from that point, um, once you are approved, you get an email letting you know that you've been um, included and added to the next available voting cohort. So our voting cohorts run from Monday at 9 a.m. Central to the following time, um, following Monday at the same time. So it runs for one week and founders um, and startups share their link. They get their friends and ecosystem and channel partners to vote on them. And then at the end of one week, the top three companies by vote are selected for features. So at that point, we send them the forms to provide some more information that allows us to put all of their materials together. And like I said, we do um, a variety of different contents. We write a full length article about them on our blog. They're invited to come on their podcast. It's totally optional, but usually um, we've, since we've select three companies a week, about two thirds of them decide to come on our podcast, which is cool. Um, and then we also share it across our socials. So a Twitter thread, and then on LinkedIn, we share the article. And then um, our weekly newsletter, our flagship newsletter is called the uh, Startup Stage Weekly Newsletter. It just changed, so I, I had to catch myself a little bit there. But it basically looks back on the previous week and um, does profiles on the most recently featured companies. Um, we also have a secondary newsletter that's just a digest that lets everyone know what companies are currently under consideration. Um, but that's um, a little bit of a separate um, a separate thing and not related to featuring the selected companies themselves. So that's really the process from end to end. Like I said, we um, allow companies to reapply every 90 days if they're not in that top three. If you are in the top three, you can reach out anytime and we'll make edits to your article. We want to um, open lines of communication and um, keep tabs on our founders. So if they want to throw in that they've raised a seed round or did XYZ, renamed, rebranded, what have you, we really encourage them to reach out and we can make changes on their, on their articles. But if you did not place in the top three, you can reapply every 90 days. Um, we want to we want the company profiles to be an evergreen digital real estate for the companies, not too dissimilar from uh, Crunchbase and PitchBook. You know, every company throws their stuff on there. We really want it to be a page that tells people exactly who you are and where to go, you know, clear CTA. And so we encourage them to continuously keep their profile updated. Um, and hopefully they stay in touch long after they actually participate in the voting cohort. But that's kind of the bird's eye view of the platform. Yeah, that sounds like a nice, simple, easy process for founders to apply to be on startup stage. But what about the other side, right? Who is following the newsletter? Who is following the socials? Who is reading the articles? What is that audience like? Mm -hmm. So it's mostly startup founders in the newsletter um, with some investors and startup curious who just want to learn about the new companies being and um, a lot of times it leads to some cool conversations among them, um, partnership opportunities, hey, I know someone you should talk to, that sort of thing. Um, our socials are a little bit broader. And also that's why articles are important because then we can just capitalize on search intent and everything I just talked about. But on our socials, um, our audience is a little bit more diverse and broad. Um, less startup founder dominated and more just ecosystem participant dominated. Um, we have every, um, I mean, 
anyone can access anything on the internet. And sometimes our posts uh, land into hands uh, that we didn't expect for. And we've had really cool conversations that like, I didn't know you existed, but I saw your profile on, on this company and some person I know retweeted it. And now I want to meet them and that sort of thing, which is, it's really cool. There's a lot of opportunity for serendipity on, on the internet, but um, that's, so in terms of our, our audience and our newsletters, largely startup founders, large, largely startup enthusiasts and other ecosystem participants, um, which is why we want to make sure that we get our featured startups in front of the audience that's really going to matter most to them. And that's why we go a little bit broader than just simply featuring them in our newsletter. Yeah, it sounds like you have a nice balance there that exists now today. And I'm curious about when you first started is this the structure that you had imagined or how do you first imagine this playing out and how has it kind of weaved back and forth into what it is actually today? Yeah. And it's gone through a couple different iterations. Um, so before it was called startup stage, the company's name was startup founder daily and it was startup founder daily for <laughs> probably a year and a half up until only a couple couple months ago, actually. But that was when I thought it was going to be a little bit of a humans of New York of startup founders. So just really highlight the founders themselves. And what surprised me a little bit was I found that my audience, at least, maybe it was um, just a small sample size, but cared more about the business and how they built the business than learning about the founder themselves. Um, this is a broad call to action. I still think that's a really cool idea. So if somebody wants to build the humans of New York of startup founders, I would absolutely subscribe and read and whatnot. But anyways, um, just listening to the audience, people seem to care a little bit more about the company. So startup founder daily, the founder thing started to kind of shake a little bit. Um, the next aspect of it was um, nothing. I'll back up a little bit. Um, the daily and startup founder daily was supposed to be reminiscent of like the classic newspaper. Um, I wanted to be like a, a media publication for startups. And that was cool. And I liked that, but it came to the point where nothing we were doing was truly daily. Um, we don't have a da daily newsletter. We feature three companies a week. So it's not every day. And somewhere along the line, I just felt that we had gotten, we had grown a little bit past that initial name. And especially once our platform was launched, I was like, we're kind of in some ways starting from day one. We had some really wonderful um, fans in our corner and a decent following on Twitter and social media and whatnot. But in a lot of ways, when we launched the platform in July, uh, we kind of were starting over again day one. And I was like, if I feel like we're outgrowing our name now, I'm definitely going to feel that way in a couple of years. And a couple of years is too late to change the name after we've accumulated all this goodwill in the community and people know about us. So there's probably never a great time to rebrand, um, but we thought that was as good a time as any. And after some deliberation settled on startup stage, which we felt worked on two dimensions. One is that we like the tagline, your startup deserves a stage. We want to be that stage, but also stage kind of subtly implies the competitive nature of our platform. Um, which uh, highlights the voting platform and you're there to, <laughs> you're there to win. You're there to uh, get the top three features. So that was kind of how we evolved into where we are now. And it was just a ton of learnings along the way. Um, from day one, I hoped it would be kind of a cool website centric 
media platform. I didn't really anticipate there would be much of a technical solution behind it. Um, but I'm really excited it is because it, it creates a really cool platform for wherever we go from this point on. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have really found your place in the world and in the market now. And I'm curious about the reception, right? How's the reception been initially and how has your audience that existed like taken and received these changes and these pivots that you guys have gone through? So I have actually not received any negative feedback on it. And that could just be because people are trying to spare my feelings. But our biggest thing has really just been like a re-education campaign. Um, we were not massive by any means, but we had a we had a good amount of people who knew us at Startup Founder Daily. And that always just requires a little bit of re-education, like this is who we were, this is who we are now, this is why we're changing, because it's about this this new era moving forward. So it's been mostly just kind of chasing down those rabbit trails to make sure that everyone involved and all our stakeholders are aware of it. And so that actually required a fair amount of work on our end because we had written like nearly a hundred articles about founders that started Founder Daily. And we wanted to make sure our website and blog was cohesive. So we reached out and we're like, hey, this is this is what's going on. We are in our startup stage. If you see an article about you that's now on a website that you've never heard of, don't worry, it's us kind of thing. So that was that was the biggest thing that I have um experienced um, but people have been really kind about it and like i said i think we did it at a good time because it was already a major inflection point in our life and it made the most sense um, to execute those at the same time through all these changes and pivots to the platform um, what have been some of your favorite successes and some of the failures that you've gone through I kind of, as a success that we are growing literally every day, which is great. Um, sometimes it's not growing as fast as I want. Sometimes uh, we have slower days than others, but truly every single day we make a step forward, which is really exciting. Um, so we still have a ton of growing to do. And one thing that's really exciting to me is every little bit we grow, it's more, it makes the platform more beneficial to the founders. The larger our audience, the more eyeballs they get in front of. So it's incredibly, it's incredibly reciprocal and it's also incredibly um, exponential. So when we grow, they benefit, more people come to the platform. That's all really exciting. Um, we've actually, um, one like internal KPI we track is how many people create accounts on our platform end up trickling into our newsletters and we're converting at 30 percent, which um, i was really pleased by um about a third of people who come to our platform either to create a profile or just vote on their friends end up sticking around and joining our newsletter so we're seeing a lot of growth there that's been really encouraging and so those are the successes the failures is i've just learned I've made a ton of mistakes and learned from them. And that's all really good stuff. One thing that's most poignant is I just have really bad shiny object syndrome. So I get really excited about new opportunities. And that has led to me delaying our path by many months and wasting money on things that really didn't move the needle and so forth. So plenty and plenty of failures. Um, but it all moves it towards the final product and really happy with the direction that we're headed now. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have had a lot of success already and have been on a great journey so far. And where do you hope Starp Stage ends up? What are your goals for it? 
So my very simply stated goal for it is I hope it is a critical member of the ecosystem and founders turn to it as a part of their life cycle. I want to get to the point where being featured by Startup Stage has a tangible effect on the trajectory of these companies, whether that be they secure capital or find customers or find partnerships. I want it to mean something and be actually potent and beneficial to the companies that have come through the platform. So that's kind of the like, like the pie in the sky goal for it. I want um, to really change the direction of these companies. Um, in terms of our own kind of internal growth, um, I see us expanding broadly. Um, so right now we typically have between eight and 20 companies in every single weekly cohort. I assume that we'll keep creeping up because it has been creeping up since we started. And once it gets to the point where it we start to have diminished returns in the sense that if there's 100 companies in a cohort, do I really have much incentive to share my link that aggressively? Because the odds of me landing in the top three are just not that good. So what do we do at that point? Do we add extra scrutiny to what companies are on the platform? I don't think so. I want to keep it open to as many companies as as possible. So we will likely branch into the most popular sectors. So there might be a startup stage AI, a startup stage biotech, a startup stage SaaS, and kind of niche into different platform or different sectors from there. So there will probably be parallel votes going on at the same time, but um, some are in kind of a catch-all group, as it kind of is now, because all the sectors are matched together right now. But some of those very high-in-demand, popular sectors will likely have their own voting court and likely their own newsletter and section of the blog and so forth like that. So that would require growing the team. I would love to have somebody who just covers the AI startups, someone who just covers the SaaS startups and so on. But that's where I see us growing out um, in pursuit of that that big goal of just really helping the startups and changing their path forward. Yeah, it sounds like that's a solid plan and a solid trajectory for growth for the platform as it exists today. And as you've been working on it, have you been able to see or identify any opportunities beyond the platform as it exists in its current state? Yeah, I see a couple opportunities that stems from it. I, one that a lot of people have brought up because I think it's a little bit obvious is if this gets anywhere near the scale that I hope it does, I think there should be a companion investment vehicle. Um, whether that is just me as an angel writing checks into some of these companies or a full-fledged venture capital firm supporting the companies coming through. If we, if we ever get to the point where we get a large percentage of the companies coming through our platform as a step in their life cycle, it would just make sense to be able to capture that deal flow with an investment vehicle. So that is not anywhere anytime soon, but it's certainly a goal that I have on the horizon. Um, a, another goal and area, just in terms of the monetization and economic engine of it, right now it's, it's ad-based. Um, we have a sponsor that um, buys out a package per week. So if you're the weekly sponsor, you are in our newsletters and on our website and on our podcast and it's all put together. And that's how we will monetize the for the foreseeable future. But my own sort of goal is I would love to have my own little personal holding company of sorts with some really cool tools and SaaS companies targeted at startups. And rather than ads, you know, having a portfolio of products that I already can tap into a large audience there. So that's like not 
necessarily within the umbrella of startup stage. That's just more like what I see as my future around startup stage. But um, I, I really like the concept of startup stage because I think it's a launch pad for a lot of different things. If we have an audience and uh, the attention of founders and ecosystem partners and a big core contingency of companies coming to the platform, that just opens up a lot of opportunities from that point on. Um, you mentioned education. That is one of the shiny object things that I fell trapped into this year. And I kind of tried to do that on the side. I was like featuring startups and writing like advice pieces. And that was something I really just had to check myself. Um, I was trying to grow fast on Twitter and definitely fell into the Twitter guru, guru chat um, kind of situation. And I can offer advice on startup law, uh, which is not terribly exciting. And people really only want to go seek it out if they actually need help with it. Um, I'm still really early in my career. I'm learning every single day. I probably don't have as much to communicate to. Um, the world as a lot of other people do. And maybe we'll get to the point where there's an education arm, but that's something I've set aside for now um, until the appropriate moment. It felt like a distraction until now, but um, I have toyed with the idea of maybe some sort of course or accelerator of sorts for the companies that are interested. Um, but I don't know if I'm the person suited to that or if that's a partnership opportunity, but it would be cool to be a much more comprehensive and utilitarian platform than what we are now. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of cool opportunities that you have that could branch off from where it currently exists today, like you talked about. And while going along in this journey, what insights have you found so far in your journey? A lot of my insights have been on the challenges of being a non-technical founder. Um, and one thing that I have learned is you need to know enough to be dangerous. Um, I can have as many like ideas and visions in my head, but being able to communicate that to the people who actually implement it tech-wise is kind of challenging. And I lack the fundamental understanding of if I propose an idea, I really don't know how long it's going to take, what is the procedure, is this a big job or is this a small job kind of thing. And that's one thing that I I guess I took for granted when I started building this. And so I do not claim to know much of anything, but I've had to learn more. And that's one thing that's so cool about being a startup founder is you have to learn something new practically every day. And so my biggest insight is you need to at least have the basics down in order to give effective instructions. And I think that trickles down into a lot of other fields too. Like when I go to hire people for any sort of position, I want to have at least spent enough time doing that role so I know exactly what to look for in a new hire. Um, am I wired to be a marketer? No. Am I technical? No. Um, am I the best newsletter writer? No, but I spent time in all of those roles. So when the time comes, I will be much better equipped to find people to serve in that role that can effectively carry out the vision that I have. And with this journey so far, with all the twists and turns, um, have you had any funny or interesting experiences that have stood out along the way? Yeah, I actually have a, I have a funny one. Um, so 
including all of the iterations that we've had, just general strategy. The website has gone through a ton of different different iterations. Um, I keep I keep going back to the point of me not being technical at all. But our first website was on WordPress. And I had never built a website before. I just watched like every tutorial on YouTube I could find. And it looked pretty terrible. And anyways, I was able to kind of put a rudimentary website together and had a um, a survey form in there for people to fill out their information. This was back when people would just supply their information in the deck and I would just go through and pick the companies. But um, somebody took the time to fill out that survey and in every single line they wrote, this site looks like shit and then submit. <laughs> so just every single, every single line, every single field over and over again. And uh, that was just really, really funny to me that the site was so bad that somebody took time out of their day to do that. And, um, you know, it's a valuable lesson. Um, UI UX matters. And if you can't do it, you better be able to find somebody who can do it. And luckily, uh, we have made great strides in that department. But um, that was um, kind of an iconic moment in the early stages of Startup Founder Daily. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And it's great to be able to laugh about it now and and even during the moment, right, to have that kind of positive attitude, which it seems like you definitely have. And Luke, thank you so much for joining. And where can people find you in Startup Stage? So for Startup Stage, it's just startupstage.app. You can go create a company profile. Um, I am most active personally on X, formerly known as Twitter. It's just um, my handle is at Luke Versway. My last name is Versway, but I shortened it. Um, and it's just L-U-K-E-V-E-R-S-W-E-Y. Um, connect with me on there. Um, I have a LinkedIn and I connect with people on LinkedIn. I can't say I use it very often, but that's another mode of connection. But um, my DMs are open. Reach out anytime. I love meeting new people and hope to see you either on the platform or in any other way you choose to connect with me. And that's a wrap. That is the first season of the Early Stages podcast done and in the books. I want to thank all the guests. They were awesome. I had so much fun to talking to them, getting to know them, and learning about what they're building. And I hope you guys um, enjoyed it as well. All these guests work in tech or are in tech-adjacent fields, and I hope moving forward I can interview a broader range of people who are creating new things. And thanks again for your time and see you in the next season.